Psalm 115, the Word of God says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath he given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence and together. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this powerful chapter, uh, book of Psalms. Lord, you remind us here of how you are different than all the other fake gods, all the other religions and philosophies the world clings to. We're happy we know you. We know the true God. You've revealed yourself unto us. You've offered salvation. We believe in you. We claim you as our Savior. We have accepted that free water of life. We know and believe and confess that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That on the cross you died for our sins. You were buried and rose again for our justification. And Lord, we praise you this morning as the scripture tells us. Even in uncertain times, we praise you, we honor you, we worship you. We're glad that we have this anchor of trust, this rock to stand on. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we discuss this subject. That we would make the right choice. And see how this truth could literally change our lives if we'd allow it to. So we pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Give me discernment to know what to say and the power so that what you have me say makes a difference. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What an amazing psalm that we have here. This psalm compares the gods of this world, the idols, the false gods, to the true and living God. Uh, and it's unthinkable for us in 2020 as Americans to think about bowing down to idols of stone and silver and gold. 
Probably the closest thing we see to that is if you go into a Chinese restaurant and there's a Buddha sitting there. Uh, or, uh, you know, you're in something maybe if in the cities, if you're in Chinatown, you'll see different images. If you're in an Indian part of a city, you'll see their images and their gods. And uh, really outside of, of Christianity, all around the world, there's, there's all kinds of gods. In, in India, they just don't have a few gods. They worship hundreds of millions of gods. Over 300 million gods. Uh, think about that. Uh, and so uh, some people worship nature, the sun, the moon, the stars, the rivers, the oceans, the, the soil. Uh, but all these have one thing in common. Uh, their gods are not gods. Uh, and even here he says that uh, these idols, uh, they have mouths but they speak not. Uh, they're the work of men's hands. Uh, and And... And they have mouths, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses, but they smell not. Hands, but they handle not. Feet, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. Uh, and so they're, they're not real. They're false. Uh, and that is found out in their actions and in the fruit of, of what these idols are able to do. Verse 8 says something interesting. They that make them are like unto them. Uh, so these people, these these stones and and gods of silver and gold and little images, they don't have brains to think. Amen. It's just they're 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 foolish. But yet God says the people who are making them are as foolish as the things themselves. Amen. Uh, and then He goes on to say, "So is everyone that trusteth in them." So believing in false gods is as foolish as the false gods themselves. Amen. Uh, in one portion of Scripture in the Bible, it compares false idols that the people that make these things, they don't consider that they cut down a tree. They'll take a portion of that tree to carve out their God that they bow down to and pray to, and then they take the leftovers and burn it in the fire to keep themselves warm. It just doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of, of inconsistencies. Now, we know in America that most Americans don't bow down to false images and, and different shapes and animals and, and all of that. But America has her own false gods, uh, the gods of materialism. You know, a dollar bill is not going to save your hide when the going gets tough. Uh, you know, the, the gods of education. No matter, you could spend your whole life learning and never learn enough uh, for what this world's going to throw at you. Uh, the gods of pleasure and hedonism. How many people just run from pleasure to pleasure without any seeming restraint? Drink to drink, drug to drug, bed to bed, just living it up. But that's not going to help them and save them. It's not going to fill the God-sized hole in their heart. Some people have made a God out of government. And we're in the midst of an election season and a stark difference between people who are throwing out ideas of socialism where they just promise everything under the sun. Uh, I've, I saw a meme yesterday, and it had a picture of Bernie, and it said, vote for me, and I'll give everybody free toilet paper. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just whatever people need, we'll just give it to you. You got some debt, we'll pay it off. You want to go to college, we'll pay for that. You got kids, we'll watch them for you. You know, you get sick, we'll, we'll take care of you. It's like Santa Claus running for, for president. You know, we'll just give you whatever. Uh, but if you study that stuff out, it never quite works out that way, does it? A government is not a god to take care of us. And this cradle-to-the-grave type of government philosophy uh, doesn't work. It never has and it never will. It can't. 
We have one God. His name's Jehovah. And he has a son, Jesus Christ. And the role of government should be limited and supportive, not all-encompassing. There's all different kinds of gods in this world. But yet there's one true God. And we see the, the difference between these false gods and verse 11 says, Ye that fear the Lord. I like that. The Lord, anytime you see that in all caps in the Old Testament, it's the word Jehovah. The most common word for God in the Bible, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the great I am, the I am, that I am. Uh, he's the only God. We're thankful for the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, as He has revealed Himself unto us. But ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. So wait a minute. This psalm says there are some that fear statues of gold and silver and wood and stone. And we would add to that philosophies, religions, ways of thinking. And then there are those that fear the Lord. And I encourage us today to fear the Lord. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, for he is their help and their shield. Uh, then look at verse 13. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. And so we live in a time of great fear. On the news you hear fear, fear, fear. And it bothers me, it's, it's hard to... Watch media nowadays because they have a vested interest in uh, promoting fear and danger and trouble. The great media complex makes more money when they have you scared enough to keep turning on the TV and keep tuning in. Uh, that we live in a day of breaking news every five minutes. You know, if you're ever watching the news, it's like after every commercial, breaking news. Stocks went up. Breaking news. I mean, it's like it's not even breaking news anymore. It used to be reserved for great problems and huge things. And nowadays it's always breaking and it's always problem and it's always turmoil and it's always trouble and fear and fear. And the, the old adage of, of media is if it bleeds, it leads. And the more trouble, the more problems. Throw that on the front page because you get more people buying it and picking it up and more people tuning in. I just have a problem with that. I never watch the news before I go to bed. I might catch up with some headlines uh, around dinner time, but after that, I don't even look at it. I don't even touch it. Why? Because I need to go to bed. Amen. And it's like, well, I'm just going to check the headlines before I go to bed. You're ready to fall asleep. And it's like, the world's going to end in 12 years, you know, and existential threat by this guy in the White House. And your way of life is about to end tomorrow, you know. And it's like, now go to bed. It doesn't work that way, does it? Uh, and most of it is falsehood anyway. Everyone is afraid of something. I wonder what you're afraid of today. Think about it. Everyone's afraid of something. Now, some people think that fear is the enemy. Well, since fear, since I'm afraid, then fear is the problem. I don't believe that's true. Fear is a necessary part of life. The key to life is that we choose the right things of which to be afraid. Think about that. You're going to be afraid of something. The key is to choose the right things of which to be afraid. 
I remember some of my fears from childhood. The dark. Right? Why are you afraid of the dark? Because you don't know what's in the dark. And there could be bad things out there. I remember when I was a, a young teenager, we had the house, and we lived out in the country. And you had the house kind of up on a little hill and the highway in front of the house. The back of the house, the, our backyard was massive, and it went down. Then it went down this little hill, and then it ended at a fence, and there was a pasture behind us. And there was a little grove of trees at the top of that little hill. And for some reason, my parents put my dog's doghouse on the other side of that hill. So you'd be quite a ways away from the house, a little grove of trees, down a hill, and then there was my doghouse. Now that sounds fine unless you're the one feeding the dog after dark or taking care of the dog after dark. And we had one big uh, light in the backyard. There's like a telephone pole in the backyard and one big outdoor light. But it ended before you got to that grove of trees. And so every night during the, during the, when it was dark uh, early, I'd go outside and I'd have my food and my water. And I'd be out there in that light. And I felt safe. I was by the house and I felt safe in that dark that light, or in the light, that light threw out a big, big uh, circle of light. Then the closer I got to that dark, my mind started playing tricks on me. You know, there's coyotes out here. There's, there's dogs. There's like probably rabid chipmunks that would chew my toes off. I mean, it's like your brain just starts playing tricks with you. And then I'd go in that little grove of trees and down that hill and the light would be gone. I was scared. I was a teenager. Man, something about that dark out in the country, all the critters out there. So it was so funny. I would get to the end of the light, and I would kind of bunch up and steal myself, and I'd run down the hill, run down, pour the dog food in, pour the water in, run back up to the light, and then I'd, when I got to the light, I'd just coolly walk back in the house. Because I'm a teenager, right? I, I got a reputation. I don't want people to just think that I'm I'm some kind of scared weirdo. And so, but the dark. Some of you are still afraid of the dark. Don't look at me that way. Some of you still some of you still got a night light in the house, and uh, I'm I'm not opposed to that. The thing about monsters under the bed, you know, the young kids, monsters under the bed, monsters in the closet. It happens. I remember when I was, a, I was afraid of girls. You remember that when you're a young kid and the girls have cooties and all that and then something magical happens where you're not afraid anymore. We have all kinds of fears. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people over the years. There's a lot of phobias nowadays. Uh, some people are afraid to go out of the house. They're afraid of spiders, which, by the way, if you knew more about spiders, you might be afraid too. You ever look at one of those things under a microscope or a picture of one of those things? What about even bed bugs? I mean, look at a picture. Go home and look at a picture of those. You'll sleep different tonight. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll be looking, checking the sheets and looking around. And There's some weird stuff in this world. Uh, the viruses and the bacterias. And I've, I've dealt with people and counseled people over the years that, that uh, were germaphobes. And one day a lady came in my office. Her and her husband scheduled a, an appointment in the night. And so it was just me, and, and I was in my office and had prepared for them, and they came in, and she came in, and she took out a towel before she, I asked her if she could shut the door, and she took out a little towelette, and she wiped off my doorknob and, and uh, kind of closed my door a little bit. And then she took the towelette and wiped off the seat where she was going to sit. And then she sat down and got some hand sanitizer and cleansed her hands. 
just afraid of what? Everything. And there's a lot of people who are afraid. Here's the issue. Fear is not the bad thing. Being afraid of the wrong things is the problem. Fear can be helpful. Fear has advantages. Uh, you know, you think about the flight, fight, flight, or freeze response. That fear can make you sharper. It helps you focus. People that have been in battle said that fear, they learn to, uh, to rely on it. And, and when the going gets tough, it just sharpens you and it focuses you. And that dump of adrenaline gives you abilities that you didn't have a minute ago. Uh, it can save your life. Think about heights. I remember we used to be in construction and sometimes we'd be up on ladders. And, you know, you get up 30 feet off the air on a little ladder. And I'm kind of a big guy anyway. You start feeling that ladder bouncing a little bit in the wind. Let me tell you, you're very aware about where your feet are, where your hands are, how much you're reaching over here. The fear can save your life. Fear can help you avoid real danger. Fear can help you stop making bad choices. Fear is not the problem. It can be helpful. The problem is when you're afraid of the wrong things. Then fear can have negative effects. Rash decisions. Well, i got to do something, so I'm just going to make a bad decision. Sometimes fear causes you to run from problems. Most of the times, people are running from problems that aren't even there. The Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursueth. Just like me running up out of that dark of the house, there was no, there was no animals, there was no critters hunting me just outside of the edge of that light. But boy, your brain starts to play tricks on you. Next thing you know, I'm running for my dear life. There's nothing there. So fear can paralyze you. I just don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. If you're afraid of the wrong things, you're in a world of trouble. I'll go so far as to say is fear is a tool of the devil. Satan loves fear. He loves to make people afraid. To torment you, yes, but also because fearful people are easy to control. Little nudge here, little nudge there, and they're out of the will of God. Not all fear is bad. You know, people who have no fear are a danger to themselves and others. Have you ever met someone that just had no fear? Some of you have kids and it's like, they just have like no fear, no concept of pain and death. <laughs> you know, it's like you just see kids, they're running at full tilt all the time. They'll jump off stuff. They'll throw stuff. They'll tackle stuff. They'll bounce off stuff. And it's just like, this kid's not going to make it if they didn't learn some type of, of, of you know, uh, self-control and understanding consequences. Uh, growing up in the, the country, a lot of rednecks where I grew up. And I'm talking about rednecks before being a redneck was cool. Nowadays, you got rich people trying to be rednecks. I mean, we were trying not to be rednecks, right? And, and, uh, uh, but famous last words of a redneck is, hey, Bubba, watch this. I mean, it's like, you don't know what, hey, I'm gonna, hey Bubba, hey, watch this, I'm going to jump off this barn. You know, and they'll just go jump off the barn. And uh, break your leg. Oh, yeah, it was funny. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, you're crazy. I remember one time me and my friends, he had a dock in the lake, and we used to swim in the lake, and he had a dock in the lake. And uh, uh, we got this idea. They, they put in a, a little makeshift diving board, which was like a 2 by 12 that was just sticking out there, and you had a big bounce in it, and wonder we didn't kill ourselves with that. And we got this idea one time. We built a ramp on the dock. We built a bicycle ramp for our little BMX bikes. 
and then uh, we were going to ride our bikes into the lake. But then we thought, we don't want to lose our bikes, so we took a rope and tied it to the end of the dock and tied it to the seat, and then uh, we that way you'd jump off and your bike would go in and you'd fly into water, but then you'd be able to pull your bike back up. But we didn't make the, the rope long enough. And so... And so you, you're going full steam, you come down this hill, going full steam, hit the dock, hit the ramp, and yeah, poof, you know, and that bike just disappears from you, yanked out from under you. And, uh, I mean, it's a wonder. But I, see, I'm not stupid. So we used to do things like this, and then I'd say, uh, I'd be like, hey, Jason, you go first. Yeah, you, you go first. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go next. Because then if the guy almost dies, you know, hey, let's, let's do something different this time. Let's make adjustments. Uh, I, I literally had friends one time, my friend David, and he had a, a younger brother. Uh, they were teenagers. I was over at their house one day during summer break, and the parents were home. And David's brother got mad at him, and he went to the knife drawer in the kitchen. I'm not joking. I mean, I had brothers and sisters. We'd beat each other up, slap, punch, kick, figure four leg locks, I mean, sleeper holds. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But we never went to the knife drawer. And this guy went to the knife drawer and grabbed steak knives and started chucking them at David across the kitchen. He said, what'd you do? I hit the door. You people are nuts. Uh, And they had a lot of problems over the years until they figured out there's consequences. You know, so not all fear is bad. It's fearing the wrong things that's bad. Fearing the right things is good. So I I preach a message this morning and just a simple thought to you entitled, Choose the Right Fear. Choose the Right Fear. You say, Preacher, I'm just afraid. You can choose what to be afraid of. You really can. You say, No, no, this this is just just a real fear of mine. You can choose what to be afraid of. What is fear? Fear is the emotional dread of impending doom. The emotional dread of impending doom. But here's a fact. Most of the things people fear never come to pass. Most of the things that you're afraid of will never happen. But some of you are in real danger right now and you're not afraid. Because you're not afraid of the wrong thing. You're not afraid of the right things. There's an acrostic for fear that is appropriate. It says, fear, false evidence appearing real. See, people say, no, I'm just afraid because this is a real thing. Well, fear can cause a misinterpretation of the facts. Fear can help you see a set of facts that may be true and jump to conclusions that are impossible or unlikely. The key is to focus on what you know and not what you think might happen. In counseling, we do this, the what-if game. Let's play the what-if game. Well, what if, what if my husband does this? What if my wife does this? What if my kids does this? What if my parents do this? What if this happens in my life? And oftentimes, one of my favorite phrases is to say, and what if a herd of white elephants ran through this office right now? And they're like, what? Yeah, what if? We can play that game all day. What if? Pick the most outlandish thing you can think of. What if this happened? What if that happened? See, if you start playing the what-if game, you're in trouble. 
Now, we need to pray for discernment, the ability to read between the lines, the ability to see the underlying things. But discernment is not this this rampant what-if scenarios going on in your mind. So refuse to play the what-if game. Refuse to play it with yourself. Refuse to play it with others. Focus on what you know and then make good decisions based on the facts and the relevant possibilities. But don't get swept away by what might be or what could be. This doesn't mean that we pretend like everything's okay when it's not. I've had people over the years say, well, preacher, you don't understand, I'm just a realist. No, you're a cynic. There's a difference between being a realist and a cynic, being a realist and and negative. Being a realist and acting like the worst is is about to happen, this, this sense of impending doom. I'm not encouraging you to be blind. I'm encouraging you to exercise faith. See, faith looks at a set of facts and acknowledges the facts and the possibilities and said, but what does God want me to do? Where's God at in all this? And the the greater the trouble, we have an opportunity to exercise greater faith. See, fear stills courage. But faith gives it. Fear robs strength. Faith imparts it. Fear focuses on the unknown. Faith concentrates on God. So it's just a matter of what you're going to fear. I don't like spiders, but I don't live in fear of them. I don't like snakes. I don't live in fear of them. I don't like the dark, but I usually don't run from it. Because... We can exercise faith. And here's the thought for the sermon. You're going to be afraid of something. But the Bible teaches us, teaches us to fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. People say, well, you want me to be afraid of God? See, the fear of the Lord is not just this impending dread of what God's going to do to you. The fear of the Lord is twofold. It says, number one, I'm afraid to disobey Him. And let me tell you something. If you're not afraid to disobey God, you don't fear God. If you're not afraid to disobey God, you're the one who's not dealing in reality. Because God is real. And he set real boundaries and real commandments and real expectations. And if you are a child of God, he has promised to chastise you. It is a guarantee. As sure as you're going to heaven, if you disobey God, if you are his child, he will chastise you because that's what good fathers do. But it also means I'm afraid to disappoint him. I want to please the Lord. And see, what you'll find is when you grow in grace, you get far more afraid of disappointing God than you do disobeying God. And if you'll focus on being afraid to disappoint Him, then you don't have this impending fear of God just from heaven ready to strike you with some pestilence or some problem. I don't want to disappoint Him. He's my heavenly Father. I love Him. And He loves me. 
So I encourage you today to choose the fear of the Lord. See, the, the world's afraid of the wrong things. Think about the fear of man. I look at Psalm 118. And verse 6, let's read it together. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. I will not fear what can man do unto me. Think about Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Think about Hebrews 13, 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See that the average person is afraid of what man can do. What does man think? What does my family think? What does my neighbor think? What does my boss think? And we're far more concerned about what people think of us than what the God of heaven thinks about us. My friend, that is the wrong fear. The Bible says if you please the Lord, He can even make your enemies to be at peace with you. If you live your life to please the people around you, you are guaranteeing a troubled life. Because you'll never, you'll never please everybody around you. Good night. Most days I don't even like myself. And you're going to try to make everybody in your world happy? Foolishness. But we can please the Lord. See, we live for an audience of one. We preach for an audience of one. We, we, we live for him. And then he makes all of these things work out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And so the fear of man is the wrong fear. Often people have the fear of failure. How many good things have never been accomplished because people fear failing? Well, my friend, if you're not obeying the Lord, you've failed already. And the truth is failure is found on the way to success. You'll never be a success until you get comfortable with failure. We are striving to live according to a perfect book. We fail. We're striving to be like a perfect Savior. We fail. We're striving to have a good testimony in this world, but wrapped in this sinful flesh. Sometimes we fail. But that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we go soul winning because we're afraid we're, afraid we're going to fail. That doesn't mean we don't, we don't serve God because we're afraid we're not going to be good at it. No, we, we, we fear God, trusting Him to bring us success in spite of us rather than being so afraid of failure that we never attempt anything bold for God. Some people have the fear of rejection. The list of fears go on and on. But why is it there's people who are afraid they're never going to get to go to Disney World, but they're not afraid of going to hell? Afraid of the coronavirus, but not afraid of hellfire. Afraid of the Pope, but not of the God of heaven. If you've got the wrong fear, you're in real trouble. But in our scripture, we learned the fear of the Lord. Look at Psalm 111. Now, you're going to be afraid. It's just a matter of what are you going to be afraid of? Psalm 111. Look at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? 
wisdom, a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. So we're talking about the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord will cause us to obey God's commandments. Now, there, there's some people that they're afraid of what, what the stock market's doing right now, but they're not afraid to disobey God. They're not afraid of the fact they're not tithing. They're not afraid of the fact that they, they have wickedness in their heart and life, and, and they know God says not to do anything about it, but whatever. See, what are we afraid of? When I, when, I am a, when I have the fear of the Lord, the biblical reverence for God, I'm afraid to disobey Him, I'm afraid to disappoint Him, then that causes me to keep His commandments. And let's keep it real simple. You don't obey the Bible because you don't fear God. You don't obey the Bible because you don't love God. You say, it can't be that simple. It really is. The fear of the Lord causes us to obey God's commandments. Uh, look at Psalm 115, which is our text verse or text chapter, Psalm 115 and verse 11. <clears throat> Let's read it together. Ready? Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So the fear of the Lord causes us to trust in God. It generates trust in the Lord. So here's a good litmus test, and I do this for me, and it's, it's shocking sometimes how we'll allow fears to creep in. All of us right now have things in our lives that, that are worrisome. Uh, for some, it's the finances. I mean, you literally, genuinely have financial difficulty that you, you are not making all the payments you need to make. You're concerned about putting food on the table. You're concerned about having a place to live. That is a real, genuine thing. And if you're not careful, that'll consume you. But what if you lift your eyes up to God and say, you know, God gave me a place to live before this one. And God's always made sure I had food in my mouth. You know what? I'm just going to choose to fear the Lord rather than the economy. I'm going to choose to fear the Lord rather than what they have stocked at Walmart or Shaw's or Stop and Shop. I'm going to choose to fear the Lord what happens is when you lift your eyes to God and you choose to fear Him, it generates trust in your heart. And then you can say like this verse says, He is my help and my shield. He's my help. He's my shield. Well, I wonder if FEMA's going to come through. They won't. He's my help and my shield. I wonder if Gina Raimondo is going to come to my rescue. She won't. You got a better chance of Superman flying over your house and landing in your front lawn than the government coming and bailing you out. But see, the fear of the Lord generates that trust in God. Look at verse 13. Psalm 115, verse 13. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Hey, kids, God will take care of you. Hey, teenagers, God's blessings are still available. Hey, adults, God's blessings are still available. Hey, senior saints, God's blessings are still available. Matter of fact, the fear of the Lord brings God's blessings. You know God's paying attention. And when we choose to fear Him, just like a good father, He obeys that. If your children are doing a good job and they come to you and say, Hey, Dad, is there anything I can do for you? This is a tough situation, but give me some wisdom because I, I want to handle this right. I want to please you in this. You'd bend over backwards to help him, wouldn't you? You'd do about anything you could. And see, when we have the fear of the Lord, 
it brings the blessings of God. We choose the right fear. Look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118 and verse 4. Let's read it together. Ready? Psalm 118 verse 4. Ready? Let them now that fear the Lord say that His mercy endureth forever. See, the fear of the Lord means we can trust the Lord's mercy. You know, I I think about David's dilemma. You remember when the Old Testament, when he got in trouble with God and God sent the prophet and said, you can have one of these three punishments, pick one. And David in his wisdom said, Lord, I'd rather you pick because you're merciful. You see, the fear of the Lord allows us to let go of the things we can't control anyway. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to control things that are outside of your control. But when you fear the Lord, you have the ability to step back and trust in His mercy. Lord, I trust what you're going to do more than I would trust myself, even if I had the power to choose. What that does is that type of faith brings peace. It allows us to rest in the Lord. Look at Psalm 135. Is this helpful to you? Choose the right fear. Psalm 135, in verse 20. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi, ye that fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Now what's it mean to bless the Lord? Bless the Lord is to praise the Lord, to give God praise. Uh, And so praising God. See, fear of the Lord produces praise. Not only does it make me pay attention to God's commandments. Not only does it help me to step away from the wickedness in my life, not only does it bring God's blessings upon me and help me uh, be able to trust in His mercy and, and let go, but it also produces a praise. That's why you could be going through turmoil and still praise God. You can be in prison wrongfully and still praise God. You can be at death's door and still praise God. You can be like Job, having the unthinkable circumstances of life and still give God praise. Because the fear of the Lord uh, produces praise in our lives. Won't you spend time the next few weeks as we're going through this, why don't you every day focus on verbalizing praise to God? Hey, praise the Lord for this. Praise the Lord we got food. Praise the Lord we got a house to live in. Praise the Lord. You know, do that at work. I mean, even with lost people, they might look at you a little bit different, but it'll give you a chance to explain. You know, it's going to get tough, man. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, you know, I praise God. He's always taking care of me. Amen. And I praise God. He's going to take care of me this time. Amen. And if for some reason he doesn't, and you come to my funeral, my preacher will preach a real nice funeral and give you the gospel. Amen. I'll be in heaven singing with the angels. I'll be running streets of gold, gates of pearl. We got so many things to praise God for. But whenever you get your eyes off God and put them on problems, that fear is going to creep in. You begin being afraid of the wrong things. Proverbs 1 tells us that the, the lack of the fear of the Lord brings judgment. 
Proverbs 14, verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children shall have a place of refuge. See, the fear of the Lord gives faith, peace, and joy. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And look at verse 13. If you're there, say amen. amen. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Why? Together. For this is the whole duty of man. If you could boil down the Old Testament law into two parts. Jesus did it differently and better and more thoroughly in the New Testament. Love the Lord thy God, love thy neighbor. But here, Solomon, the wisest man who lived up to this point, says, do you want to hear the end of it all? Do you want to hear the one thing that truly matters? Fear God and keep His commandments. That's your duty. Well, I've got to take care of my kids. You need to fear God, and then you'll take care of your kids. I need to be a good husband. Fear God, and you'll be a good husband. I need to do this. I need to do that. Fear God, and you'll do those things. What's it mean to fear God? I'm afraid to disobey Him. I'm afraid to disappoint Him. There's one thing that everyone has a natural fear of, and that's death. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Every honest human is afraid of death at some point in their life. Ecclesiastes 8, 6, Because to every purpose there is a time and judgment, therefore the misery of man is great upon him, for he knoweth not that which shall be. Oh, wait a minute. See, the fear of the unknown brings misery. Isn't that what's happening in our world today? And not just about a virus, but what's Iran going to do? What's North Korea going to do? What's going to happen in the election? Fear of the unknown. It's misery. But here specifically, it's talking about death. If you're afraid of death, then that misery of, I could die today. I mean, I, I, could, I could drop over right now. I could die driving down the road. I could get in a plane and die. I mean, that, the fear of death. Is all consuming. Look at verse 8. There is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war. Neither shall the wickedness deliver those that are given to it. See, the fear of death. Everybody knows they're going to die and everybody's afraid of it. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 2 says that People, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. But the good news is Jesus Christ can deliver us from all fear, including the fear of death. What are you afraid of today? Put your fear in God, and God can remove those fears and give you faith, peace, and joy. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay for our sins. 
He was buried and rose again to prove that he was the Son of God and to conquer death once and for all. Jesus Christ conquered death so he could give us peace in the face of man's greatest enemy, death itself. That's why many of you Christians, you don't want to die today, but neither are you afraid of it. It's like that one guy said, I I want to go to heaven, I just don't want to take the next train. But see, a, a Christian whose faith in Christ is strong, neither are they afraid of death. The truth is, through Christ, you put your head on your pillow at night and you have peace that passeth all understanding. Let me show you one more passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Choose the right fear. You're going to be afraid. Choose the right fear. If you're afraid of death, it's because you haven't chosen Jesus. Jesus conquered the grave. Jesus Christ is the liberator from all form of fear, anxiety. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 53. He's talking about this body. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has conquered the greatest fear of mankind. The one enemy that no man can outrun. The one enemy, the one fear that was sure to fall upon every living person. And yet Jesus Christ has conquered that fear. And my friend, if He could conquer the fear of death, then He can conquer any fear in your life. Ye need not be afraid. Fear not, beloved brethren. Be not afraid, for God is with you. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the worst thing that could ever happen to me in my life is that I die. But in the eternal wisdom of God, the worst thing that could happen to me is actually the best thing that will ever happen to me. Because what used to be a doorway to a black abyss of the unknown for the Christian is the door we walk through to inherit eternal life. Streets of gold, gates of pearl, a city with 12 foundations, the throne of God cherubim and seraphim and a host of heaven singing praise to God. No more pain, sorrow, sickness, death, fear, problems. And if you've trusted Jesus, that's where you're going to end up. Pretty good deal, huh? You're going to be afraid. There are things I'm afraid of. There are things you're afraid of. How about this morning we choose the right fear? And let's choose to fear the Lord.
and then trust Him with everything else that follows. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that You'd take the Word that You've given us this morning and cement it in our hearts. May this be a a truth we never forget. May it be one that we always remember. We can choose the right fear. And all the fearful things in this world, and there are countless things to fear in this world. If we just choose You, then you can get us through everything else. Thank you, Lord, you never change. Yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is still the same. All may change, but Jesus never. Glory to your name. Our faith is strong and steadfast. We pray, Lord, that you'd give us faith in the midst of our doubt. Give us strength and grace beyond even what we need so that we can pour it out on the world around us. May people turn to you because of our testimony, the words of our mouth, the deeds of our life. Lord, may you bring yourself glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads about eyes are closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart, the altar will be open. Uh, Let's stand.